This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Tuesday, November 14th, 2023. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Only, working from my home in Montana. Sarah Abbott, Taylor Schwenk, Parker Owens are back east. Uh, guys, we got done taping the podcast last week, and it was, what, within a day, we get this shocking news <laughs> about Craig Council taking over as manager of the Chicago Cubs. Our friend David Ross forced out, let go. Uh, you know, Taylor, I'll start with you. What would you think of all that? Uh, completely shocking. Uh, you know, it was like, is he going to basically like, is he going to stay with the Mets or is he going to is he going to go to the Mets or stay with the Brewers? Those were kind of the two options. The Cubs completely out of nowhere. And with the Cubs, it's always been like, are they all in? Are they rebuilding? Are they teetering? I feel like this is a sign that they're they're all in. They're ready to boogie. Yeah, Sarah, they gave him five years and 40 million dollars in a, a package which, by the way, is $35 million less or so than uh, what Jimbo Fisher got paid off, uh, right? I mean, think about that in terms of what managers are valued. What did you think when you heard the news? Shocking. And also, I love drama. So this is very drama-filled. And I mean, I love it. Parker, what do you got? Great move by the Cubs to improve their organization really quickly. Yeah. Uh, and that's what Jed Hoyer's explanation was when he met with reporters. Like we felt like this was going, it's my responsibility to try to make the team better. And we felt like this was going to do it. So Craig Council's in as manager of the Chicago Cubs. He met with the media on Monday. This place, you know, is, is just, you can't help but get excited about it. The brand that the Chicago Cubs are like, you can't help but get excited about representing that. And that's another thing that just tells you this is this is right, man. This is the right. This is the right thing going on here. And this is something that's really special. The organization is, is just in great health. Jed presented a very compelling vision of that. It is time to be a Cub, right? There is there is momentum happening here. Um, and it feels close. And, and that means there's a really exciting future ahead of us. And now it's my job to, to be part of taking us to taking us to the next level. All right. Some other managerial moves. Ron Washington is going to be named the manager of the Angels. Perry Manassian also considered Buck Showalter, who, of course, he knew from his days working the clubhouse uh, with the Texas Rangers. Eric Young who was on the podcast last month. He's going to Anaheim to be the third base coach for Wash. Stephen Vogt was chosen to be the manager of the Cleveland Guardians. He met with reporters and said to them, he's not trying to be Terry Francona. Uh, he's someone who, since he was a young player, was viewed as a potential future manager. Joe Espada gets his chance to manage the Houston Astros. He takes over from Dusty Baker. Overnight, reports that Pat Murphy is going to replace Craig Council as the new manager of the Brewers. I'm sure one of the reasons why, first off, he's experienced. He's known as a great baseball guy. And... In keeping with the Brewers and how they've handled this situation, he's also really cheap. Uh, Carlos Mendoza got a three-year deal with the New York Mets. Also, really cheap as a first-year manager. It was remarked upon by a lot of managers anonymously to, to me last week. Carlos Mendoza is going to be making less than just about any player on the New York roster. Think about how crazy that is. We're still waiting on the San Diego Padres. Benji Gill, Mike Schilt, Ryan Flaherty among the candidates there. And our friend Jason Benetti might have been the biggest free agent signing so far. He moves from the Chicago White Sox to the Detroit Tigers to become the Tigers' new TV voice. So great move there by the Tigers. We get the first of the major awards last night. Gunnar Henderson, Corbin Carroll, 
as expected, unanimously chosen as rookies of the year. Taylor, what else you got? Buster, I sense a theme here. So between yesterday's college game day and then today's episode, it's all coaching manager carousel talk. So yesterday on college game day, we talked for like 35 minutes about Jimbo and Texas A&M and, and that craziness. And then what is a that? Couple of, uh, I mean, what's it like to, to root for a school where your athletic department has more money than God, where they just thumb their nose at $76 million? Like that is I, I, it's so crazy. I can't even wrap my brain around it. Welcome to college football in the South. That's yeah, all seriously. <laughs> like, that oil money, it is, it's good if you got it. So uh we talk all about that on the College Game Day podcast. You can listen to it on this platform or on YouTube. Jumping into the numbers. This is Hembo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Hembo, of course, is Paul Mbikidis, a researcher at ESPN, the right-hand man for Mike Greenberg on the show. Get up. Hembo, how you doing? I'm doing great, Buster, as we wait with bated breath for Aaron Rodgers' return. I appreciate oh the God. hiatus to talk about hot stove season, my favorite time of year for baseball. I'm already reaching the point in the offseason where I'm going to throw on the Ken Burns documentary in the afternoon and get my way, nurse my way all the way to the holidays. That's how things are going over here. I, I You know. It's just watching Aaron, and maybe it's because I'm a Vikings fan, but watching the way Aaron Rodgers handling this, you're like, dude, <laughs> do you need more attention for God's sake? Jeez, stand down. Uh, <laughs> you know, anyway, uh, all right. So let's dig into uh, the value of managers, which became a topic last week when Craig Council gets the record setting deal with the Chicago Cubs, leaving the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, I think there are a lot of other managers. I know there were a lot of other managers cheering him on. Just for starters, how do you assess his value potentially to the Cubs going forward? Uh, Craig Council is worth three wins per season. He's worth three wins. Buster, here are the numbers that I will use to demonstrate that. From 2018 through 2023, his Brewers won 487 games. Their run differential during that time says they should have won 468 games. That's plus. 19. That's 3.2 wins per season. Buster, during that period of time, you know that one-run games in baseball are fluky. We know that coin flip games in baseball don't really have a way of uh, going one way or the other over a durable period of time. Over that period of time, Milwaukee went 149 and 98 in one-run games. 51 games over 500. They were the only team to win more than 60% of those games in that span. Not a year, not two years. Over the period of seven seasons, over the period of uh, six, seven seasons, that's how much better they were in the margins than anybody else. You ask what three wins is worth? Well, last year, Paul Goldschmidt and Pete Alonso and Manny Machado were worth three wins. Last year, Pablo Lopez and Kevin Gosman and Felix Bautista were worth three wins. Now, would I rather wow. have Craig Council than any of those guys? No, of course not. But if I'm the Chicago Cubs and I was 15 runs better than Milwaukee last year, <laughs> but I was eight wins worse, until we wind up determining who wins the division by run differential, and so long as we're using the standings, Craig Council is as good at that job as anybody in the world. So this is why I like Jed Hoyer's description of why he decided to go for Council. Look, David Ross, I worked with him at ESPN. You worked with him at ESPN. I think he's going to manage in the big leagues very soon. Uh, he'll get another opportunity because he's really valued. But I liked how Jed Hoyer explained. And by the way, I liked the fact that Jed went out and owned it. Like he was a, he showed some leadership in that moment rather than hiding like we've seen in other circumstances in baseball this year. Jed Hoyer went out and he basically said, he quoted that old line about Bear Bryant. 
you know, he'll take yours and, and beat you with his guys. And then he'll take your guy. He could beat, uh, take your guys and beat his guys with your guys. That's kind of what Craig Council is, is a manager. Um, and, and it sort of kicked off this conversation in baseball about the value of managers. Because you remember when Moneyball came out, uh, the perception in baseball was that managers were kind of like the White House spokespeople. You know, they weren't really the, the the power center. And think about this. When Joe Torre left the Yankees, he was making $6.5 million a year. He was the highest paid manager. Well, the offer that the Brewers gave Craig Council, which, you know, Mark Atanasio, their owner, was crowing about, uh, essentially saying, look, we gave him a great offer, was $5.5 million. <laughs> it was less per year than what Joe Torrey got 16 years ago, which tells you about the direction of manager salaries in baseball. That's remarkable. Buster, uh, teams are paying like eight, 10, 12, uh, $8, $10, $12 million per war per year on the open market. So we're talking about a player. Like if Craig Council was a player and he was producing that kind of value that I just described, he'd be making eight, 10, $12 million a year, at least if not three times that, right? Like that's, that's the basic math. And so there's probably something like two dozen managers in baseball that either hurt their teams a little bit or, or stay out of the way, for lack of a better term. But there's somewhere between six, eight, maybe 10 in any given year that are making an actual difference with how their teams perform. If I'm Alex Cora, if I'm Scott Service, if I'm Brandon Hyde, if I'm fill in the blank, Kevin Cash, fill in the blank, sort of high-end manager, I'm looking at that Craig Council contract and I'm talking to my agent and saying, all right, we're next. Because there is no question in my mind that despite all of the uh, preponderance of analytics in baseball these days, who manages your team certainly does matter. And when you're trying to win and lose in the margins, when that's sort of when that becomes in play for teams that are actually going for it, like Milwaukee just did, your manager is buying you wins. And right now, like that is a market inefficiency. If I don't have to pay those guys eight, ten, twelve million dollars per war, and they're regularly doing the kind of job that Craig Council is doing, and it doesn't count against my luxury tax. Why won't I pay that guy eight or ten million dollars a year? I think the Cubs did the right thing, and that it could very well wind up being sort of a market trend that the Cubs are ahead of when the rest of the league will take shape down the road. Hembo, think about this: the Brewers' offer to Craig Council, the face of their franchise, the guys who's out there who's out there meeting twice a day with media for eight months, was less than they paid Rowdy Telez, okay, who batted <laughs> fifteen with thirteen homers. I, so I agree with you that there is a market inefficiency there, which is why, you know, one of the uh, uh, managers that I spoke with last week talked about, uh, you know, that perception that managers aren't that important. He goes, no, we're not the White House spokesperson. We're more like a CEO. We're responsible for the culture. We represent the company, polit uh, you know, publicly, constantly. Mm -hmm. We're out there. And think about the risk. Uh, uh, you know, the damage, potential damage that the person in that chair can do to the value of a franchise. And so mm -hmm. the idea that Carlos Mendoza, the new manager of the New York Mets, is going to make less money than any player on that roster working in New York. So the estimates, and I don't know exactly what Carlos is getting, but all these managers are telling me it's probably about $800,000 is crazy to me. And think about this. In the last 23 years, there's been one manager to win the World Series in his first year. One. And yet you see all these teams going out and hiring first-year managers in part because you know and I know they want to control what the manager's doing. They don't want to have an experienced manager that might challenge them or ask questions about their strategy. And two, they're really cheap. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, it's a very bizarre place to decide this is where I want to save money. Considering yes. this, person's is do- this person is doing thousands of hours of media. This person is making dozens of decisions every single day. And even yes. if you lay the blueprint from the front office down to the dugout, which every team is doing now, what you can't do is create a clubhouse, create an atmosphere. And what you wind up getting with managers like Greg Council and Alex Cora and Scott Service and guys like that is the median player on your team hits their 60th and 70th percentile outcomes. And if over the course of 162 games, 25 guys do that, you wind up winning more games than you should. That's the point of the manager. Only a handful of guys do it well. Craig Council is obviously one of them. I am fascinated to see how much more managers will get as a result of this. We could look back on this offseason as sort of a watershed moment for that profession. So a lot of the reason why some of these uh, you know, heads of baseball operations pick the first and second year managers is fear. They don't like being questioned on their decision. Look where Chris Young landed. You know, a veteran, a general manager hired, brought Bruce Bochy in, who the, he knows. He knows he has experience, and he basically told Bochy, look, you manage the team. There was no fear in what Chris did, and he's the guy who's getting fitted for a ring. All right, one of the big names in the trade market this winter is going to be Juan Soto. Uh, and, and, of course, it's an interesting dynamic because everyone thinks, okay, wow, Juan Soto, superstar player. Uh, he, you're going to get great tra- trade value in return. You know and I know that's not the case. All you have to do is look at what the Red Sox got from Mookie Betts when they traded in the Dodgers. So which team do you think uh, would be best suited to step forward and make a deal for Juan Soto? I have three teams uh, written down. If you're going to make me give you one and pin me down, Buster, this might surprise you, but I'm going to say the Texas Rangers, the defending World Series champion. Here's why. First of all, they have the number four uh, farm system, even after last year's trade deadline, meaning there's, there's, there's a lot still to move. They traded for Max Scherzer, obviously, at the deadline but there's a lot more there there to move in potential t- uh, deals. Um, Buster, no team has averaged six runs a game since 2000. The Rangers would do it with Juan Soto. It would increase their margin for error uh, from a pitching standpoint so much. And you just add him to an absolutely loaded lineup already. They become the favorite to win the championship again. He's going to add three to five wins to your ledger during the regular season. We know that team is now more inclined to spend than ever before. The fan base is naturally invested now more than ever before. I think you'd be talking about a historically good lineup uh, with a bunch of professionals, obviously guys who have come there in the uh, uh, Seagers and uh, Seagers and Semians of the world. And Bruce Bochy would absolutely do a wonderful job of assimilating him there, which hasn't really happened in San Diego um, in all candor. That's my number one team. You put him on the Texas Rangers. I think they're the favorite to win the World Series again. What say, what say you? How would you like to be Tim Hire as a hitting coach and have Juan Soto and Evan Carter in the same lineup along with Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon? By the time the pitcher got through into the second inning, they're going to have thrown 35 pitches. Just yeah. Evan Carter and Soto alone are going to be – you're talking about two high-end hitters when it comes to, to uh, dominating the strike zone. That would be a lot of fun. I love the fit, <laughs> and I lo- and it makes sense, too, and we've talked in the podcast before how the Rangers have become what the Padres are perceived to have been in recent years. They're going for it. So it makes sense to me, potentially, uh, that they would do that. All right, we have a lot of free agents who are going to get huge contracts. Shohei Otani is at the top of that list. I think Jordan Montgomery is going to get a massive deal. Cody Bellinger is going to get a big deal. But they're free agents who might be better suited – to take a one-year deal who fits that category in your mind i've got an infielder i've got an outfielder and i've got a pitcher i'm going to start with ahmed rosario 
the shortstop formerly of the of the Guardians, finished last year on the Dodgers. He's going to play next season at 28. He was a six-war player across the 2021 and 22 seasons, Buster, but he's not a shortstop anymore. Uh, the numbers say that he's a second baseman now. My fit, Ahmed Rosario to Milwaukee. Bryce Terang cannot hit at all. I think he'd be a perfect fit for them, the perfect kind of move that the Brewers would make, and I think it would give him an opportunity to rebuild his value to such an extent that he might get a multi-year deal. What say you? I say that I agree with you. He was on my list of guys who should take one-year deals, and I think it's a terrible fit in Milwaukee because Milwaukee is not going to try to win this year. I think we're going to see the mm -hmm. Brewers go into tank mode. Trade Brandon Woodruff, trade Corbin Burns, trade Willie Adamas, and at that point, there's no reason why you would pay. Well, maybe there would be, because then you potentially, if you sign Rosario, uh, maybe play, has a great first half for you, and then you trade him before the deadline. We've seen the Cubs do that in the tanking years that they've had. So maybe that would be a good fit. I, you know, I, I just didn't, just in the in the three clauses I gave you, I changed my mind. So, <laughs> all right, who are the other two guys? Uh, my outfielder is Harrison Bader. He's going to turn 30 yes. in June. Buster, he was Agree, my number 100%. nine center fielder. Okay, awesome. He was my number nine center fielder after 2021. My number 12 uh, center fielder after last year. It's plus 34 defensive run save over the last five seasons. He can't really hit, but it was a 114 OPS plus across 2020 and 2021. My best landing spot for him is Miami. I, I don't think Jazz Chisholm can stay in center field. That's a big outfield, obviously. You put him in center field. You let the bats play in the corners there. I like Bader. To Miami on a one-year contract, what say you? I, I definitely like Bader on a one-year contract. I'm not sure if Miami's the best fit. I know they feel like Chisholm has got some growth potentially in center field to get more comfortable. The one thing I would say about Jazz, if he asked me my opinion, there's no reason why I ever would. When I watch him in that playoff series, I've never seen an outfielder who kept his hands on his knees through the pitch. Pitch after pitch after pitch. That that was surprising to me. Is you know. Anyway, go ahead. Who's your uh, and third? My, yeah, my pitcher? My pitcher is Jack Flaherty. He's going to pitch next season at 28. Yeah. The last two seasons were ugly buster. It's a one five nine whip across the last two years, which is a really crooked number. But in 2019 and 2021, the whip was sub one. The league hit 194 with a 607 OPS against him. We know the stuff has played up before. I like Jack Flaherty to the Dodgers. They'll modify his pitch mix. They'll simplify it. They'll ditch that slider. They'll ask him to major in his curveball, which is far and away his best pitch. That guy could rehabilitate himself to such an extent get sound mechanically sort he's so athletic that I think with the right coaching he could reach a point where he could be a desirable two or three year contract option down the road if he can wind up aligning himself what say you yep I agree with that and he would go home to LA and another guy potentially in a one-year deal it's interesting I've read estimates on Lucas Giolito getting four for 68 and after last season allowing 41 home runs I don't see it you no know way. we'll see uh, we'll see, but he would be another guy. And by the way, Giolito also played high school ball with Jack Flaherty, which <laughs> you know, who knows, maybe they land in the same spot. All right, Hembo, thanks for doing this. Always great to talk with you. Later, friends. Get out of here, Hembo. Sick exactly of Hembo. Right. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites 
according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Eduardo Perez, of course, is an analyst on Sunday Night Baseball. And Eduardo, first off, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well. I can't believe I've been, we've been, what, almost two weeks removed from... From the clown car. We've got a big, uh, big response from the clown car during the course of the World Series. We met with our boss the other day. He was like, we love the clown car. That, so th- I appreciate that. What they like, the honking and everything with the yeah. <laughs> with the acoustics and everything that Justin put up? It was great. And post-game adrenaline, I think, probably. It's something to do with that, too, right? You guys are on <laughs> full adrenaline it. after the game, you and Jess and, and Boog. Uh, you know, having yeah, fun talking it. about the World Series. All right. This surprised me yesterday. I was on looking at Twitter uh, or X or whatever it's called these days. And all of a sudden, I see your face pop up and Carl Ravage pop up. And here was Carl and you making an announcement about the first game of Sunday Night Baseball next year. All right. How's everybody doing? It's the winter. It's uh, it's New York. It's getting cold. There's a lot of jackets. And we're done with the baseball season. Winter meetings and all that aside, I, I, I'm, I'm missing baseball a lot. So am I. So am I. So what, what kind of news do you got for us? Here's the really good news. The season is going to start on the 28th of March on Thursday night on ESPN. That I know. Who's going to play in that game? I think we got the defending champs. The Texas Rangers. Against the newly managed... Chicago Cubs. The counselors. The Chicago Cubs, Texas Rangers, kick off our Sunday night baseball season, Thursday, the 28th of March. Coney will be there. Buster will be there. You'll be there. I'll be there. And I hope you'll be there, too. Yeah, pretty exciting, Eduardo. Uh, Of course, usually the team that wins the championship, you know, we show on the first week of games. But the Cubs, who are suddenly very intriguing going into 2024. I think it's going to be exciting. Look. You have the Rangers coming back from being a world champ in Texas, but most importantly, also the Chicago Cubs made some changes and it all starts at the managerial position. Craig council is there now, no more Rossi. Uh, We still don't know where he's going to end up. Uh, But what we do know is that it's going to be a more competitive team. And if they sign Craig council that amount of money and for those amount of years, Buster, I have a feeling the Chicago Cubs are all in not only on the national league central, 
but they're in on the National League. And it's going to be a fun season to watch, and I think it's going to be fun to be able to see uh, who the who the Chicago Cubs are going to have at first base with Dansby Swanson in the infield, with Nico Horner at second, two gold glovers. I just saw them this past week. They're excited about the move. They think that they needed it, and I thought that was really interesting on their part, saying, look, if a move was made, it's made for the better. And if the front office thinks that uh, this is going to help us win more games and get us into not only the Central, um, we're all in. So with all respect and, uh, that they had for David Ross, I think it's. It, I think it was a necessary move for Chicago, a surprising move for Chicago as well. So I uh, wrote a story last week, talked to a bunch of uh, managers in baseball, communicated with a bunch of managers in baseball about Craig Council pushing the salary ceiling for all of them. And the general feeling was it's about time. You know, the feeling is, is that position has been undervalued. Uh, you know, it, we've seen that trend really since uh, Moneyball came out. Uh, the book where, you know, more and more teams look at the, the managers just being a spokesperson on behalf of the front office. But the feedback I got last week from the managers was, no, it's a lot more than that because they feel like we're out there. We're representing the organization uh, twice a day, every day for eight months. Uh, and we've seen managers be difference makers in the last few years. Brian Snitker, experienced manager, wins the World Series in 2021. Uh, Dusty Baker, experienced manager, wins the World Series in 22. Bruce Bochy wins the World Series this year. As I mentioned to Hembo before, in the last 23 years, only one first-time manager has won the World Series, or last 22 years. And that was Alex Cora in 2018. Uh, and so the feeling among other managers is, look, it was good to see the Chicago Cubs value, place a value on the manager and step up and pay him. I thought that was an encouraging sign, Eduardo. Yeah, definitely an encouraging sign. And I think it gives hope for those guys that had not managed in a while to come back and manage because there is that sense of, of belief that the man in charge, the one that's speaking to the media twice a day, is speaking from his belief about his players and it's not regurgitated from, the, from, from upstairs to be accepted. And I think the players react to that. And we've seen that. And, and look... I think there's going to be hope. We see Ron Washington getting hired again uh, with, with the LA Angels. Uh, he hadn't managed in quite some time, but he brings that credibility. He brings that fire to the players and that belief. And I talked to one of his new coaches, Eric Young, who went with him from Atlanta to, uh, to LA. And one thing that he told me, he goes, look, Wash, they're going to get the best out of Wash. And a lot yes. of players are going to go want to play for Wash. And we're, I think we're going to see that happen. So it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out in L.A. and how it plays out, um, let's say, in Milwaukee. Are they going to go young or are they going to get a, a veteran manager that has managed before? That remains to be seen. But I think it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. So uh, and before we move on, and I want to go rapid fire with you, trade thoughts on different okay. managers landing in different spots. Uh, but just real quick, because there was a lot of reaction to this from people around baseball when this happened. Craig Council takes a job with the Cubs, uh, a job that was already filled by, as we talked about, David Ross, our colleague at ESPN. Um, and, and we should get this out there right away. David Ross and Craig Council communicated uh, and were exchanging texts before this news broke. Um, but as you know, it's unusual to have someone step in and accept a job that's inhabited by somebody else. Jed Hoyer got on a plane, went down, met with David Ross, who was apparently shocked by this news. 
It was the beginning of last month when, you know, the Cubs owner, uh, Tom Ricketts, Hoyer, spoke very positively about David Ross. Uh, what was your reaction to that as a baseball person when that happened? Uh, it caught me by surprise. I think it caught a lot of people by surprise. For some people that aspire um, to manage that had, I, that had, um, you know, they had called me as well and they were like, wow, you know, this is, this is just a, it's a rough business. It really is. And a lot of the blame goes to the top and if, if an organization who is investing a lot of money feels that it can get better um, with the managerial uh, decision and not with, uh, let's say a player, they need to invest in a voice. Well, then they have to go out and do it. And I think that's what the Chicago Cubs did. Uh, was it fair to Rossi? I don't think we're the ones to say that was or not. We don't know what went on uh, behind the scenes, but the Chicago Cubs feel that they are a better team right now with Craig Council. But it caught me completely off surprise. I, I do respect, I mentioned this to Paul Hembikides, that I do respect the fact that Jed Hoyer flew down uh, to meet with him in person. And then when the, the general manager meetings, he stood there and said, this is my decision. And he owned it. He was a leader about it and explained this is, uh, you know, this is what his decision was. We've seen other situations where the general managers run and hide. All right. Uh, let's uh, exchange 30 second thoughts on this. Ron Washington with the Angels. Uh, I, I Look, I think the Angels are still not going to be very good. But I like the organization being re-energized by the addition of Washington. I think they'll get more players to, uh, you know, get excited, have fun every day, like we saw with the Braves all the time. Yeah, I think I think we'll I think we'll definitely see that, Buster. I think uh, that's one thing we'll definitely see. I think it's I think that move was a move that it was going to be between Buck and it was going to be between Ron Washington. I think Perry Manation had a lot to do with it because of his background in Texas, growing up there, growing up in the clubhouse, seeing how they managed well with the players. And I felt that it was something that that he he knew that there is a reality to having a veteran manager there and get the best out of their players. Now, Artie Moreno looked like he wanted to go a different route, and they ended up settling with Ron Washington on that one. But uh, – it's still that team is it's it's an interesting team because you have Zach Neto, who is a young shortstop that I think will be molded even better with Ron Washington there. Uh, rumors are Tim Anderson might be headed that way as well that as a second baseman. I think that's going to play in a major way as well for Tim and his future there with Ron. Uh, somebody that I think will be able to connect real well with him. But one thing that will be done is that defense will be better. And the pitching needs that defense. And the big question is, is Shohei Otani coming back to the LA Angels? That's going to be the big question. Uh, if he doesn't, because them not having traded him, I think it's set, the, and I said it earlier, and I'll, set it, I'll say it again, it's set back to team, the organization seven years at least. But having Ron Washington there, it might shorten the distance now. Right. And, and I think it'll, for, for Mike Trout, uh, and company, I think it'll re-energize. And I, your point about players now maybe wanting to go and play for Washington, I think it's actually a factor. Um, you know, guys on one-year contracts, they don't have a lot of money to spend. They have traded a lot of their resources, but at least day in and day out, they will compete. Stephen Vogt goes to the Cleveland Guardians. What was your reaction on that one? Reaction uh, really quick on this one was a surprise. Surprise from a lot of people. He's uh, just removed a couple years from baseball, but the Cleveland Guardians felt, you know what? If he's going to be an up-and-coming guy in two or three years, 
well, then let's accelerate the process and let's get him before he's hot. I think it's, it's, it's very close to the Guardians' M.O. of being able to, uh, to bring up a young prospect and uh, allow him to develop at the major league level. And that's what they're doing. And once it gets a little too expensive, then they end up moving on. But I love what Steven said about, look, I am not Terry Francona. I'm not going to try to be Terry Francona. I think he's going to lean on heavily on his coaches. We'll see who is going to end up uh, with him there as DeMarlo Hale's gone. Um, Sandy Alomar returns. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that all works. Joe Espada gets his chance for the first time to manage the Houston Astros. What do you think? Did you leave him for last on purpose? I, I, I'll tell you. I, and, and the He's reason actually not lying. I got more for you. I got more for you. He, oh, well, that's good. Well, you know, Joe Spada, for me, it's personal. It's personal because that was my WBC manager for Team Puerto Rico. And when I stepped down from Team Puerto Rico, I stepped down on, on basic on principle because I felt Joe Spada was the best at the moment choice to manage Team Puerto Rico. He was the best Puerto Rican on the board, and I wanted to get the best players, best coaches, and Joe Espada would have represented that in a major way. Uh, not being allowed to do my job that I was promised um, and already having started the, the meetings with the coaches and the managers and everything, uh, it just made a lot of sense to be able to step down and let somebody else then do what the president wanted to do. But Joe Espada is going to be wonderful. He's going to be magnificent. I think he, he is ready for this job. I think he is inheriting a team that knows who he is. He just has to be the same. The same guy he was as a bench coach, and the players will react. We've seen his infielders react in the past with gold gloves. We've seen Carlos Correa. We've seen Jose Altuve. We've seen Pena. We've seen Bregman. Those guys have a lot of respect for the job that Joe Espada has done, and um, he's ready to take the reins. And I think it's it's great that they weren't able to go to the World Series. So the pressure for him is to get to the World Series and it's a team and organization that he knows well and expects that. Pat Murphy is expected to be named the manager of the Milwaukee Brewers. Carlos Mendoza gets a three-year deal with the Mets. We're still waiting on the Padres. Uh, Mike Schilt, Ryan Flaherty, Benji Gill among the uh, the candidates there. I do want to ask you, Eduardo, uh, before you go, about Brian Cashman last week at the general manager meetings. Uh, he was very outspoken. Here's uh, First off, he was asked about how he felt about the organization, and he was dropping some bleeps. We got good people. I'm proud of our people and I'm, I'm proud of our process. Doesn't mean we're firing all cylinders, doesn't mean we're the best in class, but I think we're pretty f good personally. And uh, I'm proud of our people and I'm also looking forward to 24 being a better year than 23. And he pushed back against what he perceives to be incorrect narratives. I do understand that it's important to separate what's real right. versus what's not real. Uh, what's just crap noise versus versus what, hey, that's action items right there. And that's what we're doing. I promise you that's what we're doing. I mean, do we have to you know, go ahead and do deep dives by bub publicly gutting ourselves and telling you everything we're doing internally as we assess what we've got going on? No, but I do want to share a few different bullet points like I just did earlier to kind of correct the narratives. So he was uh, written up as if he was coming on a crazy rant in New York. I know that there are other people in the organization because uh, who responded well to this, in part because for three months, there was speculation. Is Aaron Boone going to lose his job? Do you fire the athletic trainers because of all the injuries? Do you let people go in the scouting department? And I think that's what was behind what Brian did, feeling like, you know what? Uh, I'm going to stand here. I'm going to meet with the media. 
I understand that you guys think we ought to do X, Y, and Z different, but I'm going to get the back of my employees. You know, was that, <laughs> was it unhinged a little bit for Brian? Yeah, I think so. But I also think that there was a purpose behind it. What did you make of all that? Yeah, uh, I think the purpose was the shock purpose. Look, Brian knows this market better than anyone else. He's been in the organization for 26 years, at the top of the organization for 26 years. Um, I'm not going to second guess what Brian Cashman is not doing or trying uh, uh, to do. Did he lose control? I don't think he did. I think he knew exactly how he wanted the shock value to be. I think he needed to be uh, to give a little bit of the truth as well, but not divulge the, all the information. I, it, this is the way to handle the, the New York media. Once in a while, you have to do things like this. It's wagging the dog, right? It's that political move of being able to distract from other other news, and I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll wear it. Let people focus on me and let the players themselves he even made a comment about Giancarlo Stanton you know is, um, do I expect him to get hurt during the regular season well he's been hurt every year what's the answer yeah I expect him to get hurt and you know every general manager should expect one of their players to get hurt and you have to have a backup for that that's part of the plan um, this is a team that has finished over 500 every year it seems like since he's been there right um, it's a it's a team that yeah, it's been competitive. A lot of people say, is it a crapshoot now? Because it's a lot more difficult to get to the World Series and win it. It sort of is, but it sort of isn't as well. Unfortunately for him, think about it this year. They did not have a lot of their starting pitching uh, that was supposed to be their, their five guys for a lot a major part of the year. They didn't have Aaron Judge for a major part of the year, and yet they finished above 500 with a lot of guys that had subpar seasons. And with one guy that had a stellar season in Garrett Cole, uh, it's 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 just it's it's hard because as a Yankee and as a Yankee fan that's out there, they want to win every year or they want to win every other year and say this is our dominance. But the level the the playing ground has leveled out, but the Yankees I still feel are always a team to be mentioned in October. They're always going to have an opportunity. Do they have to be healthy? Yes. If Aaron Judge would have been healthy. For the 150, not 162, for 150, I think the New York Yankees would have been in the postseason. Yeah, and I agree with you about Brian uh, and his experience in the market. He knows the he knows it well, uh, and so I would not just assume he was a crazy person that day. <laughs> no, not at all. And I've told you, and you've heard this too, people with other organizations have tremendous respect for Brian for how he deals with the media. And they're like, how do you last in New York? 25 years well maybe because you follow your instincts and you do things like this and for a day people call him crazy and i don't think he cares all let right me ask you a question. let me ask you a question what uh, what caught you more of surprise council being named the manager of the chicago oh, council being named the manager <laughs> or yeah or brian or brian cashman going out on a rant that we rarely see in 26 years yeah, definitely the uh, the Craig Council hire because I had known Brian long <laughs> enough to know that he, in, in moments when he feels like his people are under fire, then he will go out counterpunching uh, in a Absolutely. way. And as I say, we've seen examples in front offices in just this year where you see general managers hide and not want to deal with the media. Brian's literally standing in a circle of reporters and saying, bring it on, bring it on, and I'm going to back my people going yeah. forward. 
And the, the best part about the entire interview was watching Alden Gonzalez in the background with his facial expressions. I thought they were beautiful. <laughs> yeah, next time we're on, we'll have to get to his perspective on standing behind Brian the way that he was. All right, Eduardo, thanks for doing this. You got it. No worries. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority especially against nasty parasites. That's why you gotta check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one and done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease, plus it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. This is The Numbers Game with Sarah Langs. Sarah Langs, reporter, producer for MLB.com. Sarah, how you doing on this Tuesday? I'm doing great, Buster. How are you? I'm doing okay. Uh, you had a good time, it seemed like, over the weekend at City Field. Uh, I, I, this wasn't even on my radar. And all of a sudden, you see a bunch of social media posts about uh, what's going on at the ballpark there. What would you think about that? I had so much fun. So it was a three-game series from the Dominican Winter League. It was an exhibition series as it result between the two most popular teams, Aguilas and Lise. Aguilas left Lise. We almost had no hitter on Saturday. Broken up in the ninth inning on a play that was reviewed whether it was a catch or not. And the energy was amazing. Over the course of the three games, more than 90,000 people showed up. It was cold every single day. We had a night game, which was freezing. Very grateful to be in the press box, but it was really, really cool to see. And I love it. I really hope they do it again here in the U.S. So let me ask you, at that game, because you mentioned his exhibition, are you doing any research during that, or are you actually just sitting and watching? Well, uh, the stat cast was up, so I was keeping an eye on that, keeping an eye on the box door. We had a little, uh, you know, unofficial over-under in the press box about how many home runs we might see, because it was very cold. And this league does not lend itself to home runs. The over-under was very silly, set at three and a half. We finally got a home run on Sunday. So it was racing to see the distance. 378 was the home run, 29 of 30 MLB ballparks. But overall, I was really just watching. All right. 
Let's play the numbers game. Number three. Number three is eight. So Gunnar Henderson last night was named the eighth rookie the year winner in Orioles and Browns franchise history. That is tied for the fourth most of any team. But they had not had a winner since Greg Olson in 1989. That was the second longest active drop among teams not having a rookie of the year winner. The only team that's gone longer is the Padres, who lasted a winner in 1987 with Benito Santiago. Number two. Number two is five. So both Gunner and Corbin Carroll were unanimous rookie of the year winners. And I kind of had a feeling that might happen. So I got this one ready in advance. It was the fifth season where both rookie of the year winners were unanimous. Also happened in 2017 with Cody Bellinger and Aaron Judge in 1997. With Scott Rowland and Nomar Garcia Parra, 93, Mike Piazza and Tim Salmon, and 1987 with the aforementioned Benito Santiago and Mark McGuire. Number one. Number one is four. So tonight we have Manager of the Year, which I always think is the hardest to anticipate what might happen because. You tend to win it for defying expectations. You don't really see 100 win teams get it that matter. But a guy like Brandon Hyde, for instance, they weren't expected to win 100 games. So we'll see what happens. But regardless, if Bruce Bochy or Brandon Hyde wins in the AL, and if Skip Schumacher wins in the NL, any of them would be the fourth different manager to win for their franchise. Entering tonight, only four teams have had four different managers to win. The White Sox, Cubs, Expos, and Nationals, and the Twins. So that list could game one, could game two, or could game none tonight, but we'll have to see. I think you'd agree with me that this award season probably has less drama than just about any that we can remember. It, it feels like that these awards are are, are you know, close to being locked in, uh, unanimous selections in, in maybe five of the six major categories. I think the manager of the year category is the one where you have some doubt. You know I love putting you on the spot. So my question is for you, if you had a vote for manager of the year, oh, who would no. be your manager in the National League? Who would be your manager in the American League? I think in the National League, it would be Skip Schumacher yes. taking a team like the Marlins that nobody saw coming and taking them to the playoffs. Now, I will say, no, remind listeners and fans, these votes are sealed before the playoffs. So obviously, if you include the playoffs, it would be both. I think it will be down to Bruce Bochy and Brandon Hyde. I, I'm expecting Brandon Hyde to win because nobody saw that team coming. They won 101 games and won the division. But I do think with the way the Rangers season ended, they almost missed the playoffs. And I think the fact that they managed to still make it may be something that 
that media members will look at and say, here's a guy who came out of retirement. His team was leading the division. He almost blew it. They still make the playoffs. Obviously, that's where the information you have to vote stops. But I do think it'll be between those two. I was thinking high, but then the more and more you think about it, 100-win team managers don't usually win. So we'll have to say. Yeah, uh, and I do think this is where narrative is going to be important. And you were right to point out and to remind everybody, these awards are turned in the day after the end of the regular Mm -hmm. season. And what was the narrative about the Rangers on the last day of the season? There was actually a report out there that they partied too hard. It's Chris Young pushed back against after um, they uh, they won on Saturday, clinched the playoff spot, and they blew to the division on Sunday. And Monday would be the day that the votes would turn be turned in. Yeah. And so I think that that, in the end, might be a deciding factor for Brandon Hyde. Taylor, if Brandon Hyde doesn't win the American League Manager of the Year, how angry are you going to be? <laughs> Uh, I don't know, Buster. I've kind of cooled down here, cooled down here in the in the postseason. So, I mean, I'd be annoyed, but Bruce Bochy, you know, postseason doesn't come to play. But he, he won the World Series. It's it's not that big a deal. They made it to the playoffs. Man, it was a success, successful year. This won't take away from that. Yeah, I, and I've said this before in the podcast. Of all the major awards, the Manager of the Year is my least favorite award because it does feel like it's all about narrative, and because it's so hard to try to quantify exactly who does a great job. You know, you could have a team win 75 games, but if the team plays hard and plays above its talent level, then they've had a great year. And that manager will never be considered because his team doesn't make the playoffs. So anyway. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this. Thanks so much for having me, Buster. Bleacher Tweets. All right, Buster, Bleacher Tweets for a Tuesday. We have to... Talk about a little guy love here on Bleacher Tweets. P.K. Steinberg, Steinberg and Mark Gent. Hopefully Mark Gent and not Mark Hent. Uh, we got a te- tweet from P.K. He wrote, Strawberry Sunday, Daryl Strawberry's 1988 Fleer signed last night. So he got his card signed at the New York State Baseball Hall of Fame induction ceremony. He got it done in orange Sharpie. Got to meet his favorite baseball player in the last four years. All thanks to fellow Bleacher tweeter, Mark Gent. Mark writes in, PK, we have Buster and Taylor to thank for connecting us years ago via Bleacher tweets. Uh, We were reading PK's tweets all the time, you know, as he does. And Mark thought to himself, I need to connect with this guy. So they did. They met each other for the first time the other night with Daryl Strawberry. I mean, what? I mean, the podcast, Forging Friendships. What's better than that, Buster? Yeah, that's amazing. It's not tw- quite uh, Taylor Swift and, and uh, Travis Kelsey, but it's pretty cool, right? It's awesome. And I love the fact that Daryl Strawberry, you know, not surprisingly, he got that autograph. That sounds like the great white whale. Amazing, guys. Uh, we got a pair of Yankees questions. I'll ask them consecutively here. Uh, Cannon Cam writes in, given the long list of players in front office voids the Yankees need to fill, wouldn't it make sense to just retool the next year or two like the Mets are doing unless Steinbrenner spends massive money uh, right now? There's no way they complete, compete for a championship at 24. And then Josh Schmitz writes in, who was more, who's full of more crap this week? Brian Cashman's comments in his meeting or the rest of baseball's front offices at the GM meetings. <laughs> but um. Tsh- yeah, that's because, of course, uh, a lot of uh, front office people caught the virus. I was talking with folks after they left the meeting. Uh, one who was hospitalized, it got so bad 
Yikes. Um, but, they, but there are a lot of people really sick. Totally disagree on the Yankees in 24. Look, how many people, like the reporters who were standing around Brian Cashman, picked the Yankees to make the playoffs before last year, the year after they won the American League Championship Series? People expected the Yankees to be really good, and then they weren't. And next year, they got Aaron Judge back, who's you know arguably the best player in the American League, not named Shohei Otani. They got Garrett Cole back, who's going to win the Cy Young Award later this week. They've got some good players. No, you don't retreat if you're the Yankees. You absolutely try to make the moves. I think uh, you know the pitcher from Japan, uh, Yamamoto, would be an outstanding signing for them. Uh, so we'll see if they go all in there. Uh, and what did you? I'm curious about what you guys thought about what Brian Cashman said at the meetings, and, and the fact he went on for an hour, just uh, you know, firing back at reporters. I like it. You know, if he if he's going to be around, like he's got to defend his guys, he's got to defend himself, like. You know, like you said, they're going to try and compete for a championship in 2024. Whether the Yankee fans agree how they're going to do that is, you know, not their decision, obviously. So, yeah, I, I like a little spice from Brian. Parker? I agree with Taylor. I think it's just very important to have that support within the organization. Sarah? I love spice. So, we know <laughs> I was super happy about this. But also, like Taylor was saying, I think it's so important that he expresses he has his players' backs. And, you know, if he's going to be here, let's do it. Nice. All right. Last one. Last pair for today. Similar vibe. Corey Rucker writes, does counsel to the Cubs mean Chicago is about to spend big in free agency? Brad Barber writes, and who is in play for the Cubs now that they made a statement manager edition? Glasnow? Yamamoto? What do you think? Yeah, Glasnow is an interesting guy. He's on a one-year contract. He'd be perfect. Uh, you know, the Cubs keep sending out signals that, uh, you know, they potentially could be involved in Shohei Otani, uh, within Yamamoto. Uh, and maybe it's not the Cubs are sending those out. Maybe it's the agents. I thought the, the best one yesterday, somebody came out yesterday and said the, that the idea of playing with the Braves intrigued Shohei Otani. I thought that might've been the Mount Everest of crap in this off season. Like, are you kidding me? Come on. Like, I, I told you guys before, people I've talked to know Tani say he probably already knows who he wants to play for. And so, but we're going to do the whole parade dog and pony show, link every team to every free agent to try to juice up the value. That was the height of that. Uh, I do think the Cubs will make measured moves. Like I, I saw speculation the other day that Reese Hoskins potentially with the Cubs, Sarah, that might break your heart. We have a longtime Philly player wind up going with the Cubs. I think he'd be a nice addition for that lineup, although he's not an elite defender, and that's typically what the Cubs have gone for. All righty, that's it for Bleacher Tweets. Hashtag Bleacher Tweets on Twitter. We will be back next Monday before the holiday, so a little something for you to listen to on your way to uh, eat some turkey. Yeah, that'll be fun. That's it for today. That's it for this week. My thanks to Eduardo, Sarah, Hembo, Sarah, Parker, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. Remember, if huge news breaks, like if we get uh, word in the next four days that Shohei Otani is signed, we'll definitely put out a podcast then. But otherwise, as Taylor said, uh, we'll be back on Monday. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.